The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash Bill Risser. I said, all right, what are you going to talk about? You want people to get to know you. So I started talking about my life and living in Maplewood and what it was like here. And I knew I did something right because about eight or 10 months into this, um, I was walking on Maplewood Avenue, our little village, and someone I was friends with on Facebook walked up to me and said, hey, you're Tracy Freeman. You have two girls, a dog, you live in Maplewood, and you're a realtor. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 111 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much, really, for for checking out our little corner of the internet. I really appreciate it when you share it with friends because that's how we continue to grow and I also really appreciate it if you head on over to iTunes and leave a review or a rating because that definitely helps the show get a little bit more exposure. So thank you for all of that. Um, today, we're kind of going back into the Coldwell Banker gang. I know we had a little run there a while ago and we had a lot of Coldwell Banker rock stars on the podcast. Today, we're going to go back to New Jersey. And so I'm really excited to welcome Tracy Freeman to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. It is. It really is just a conversation about you. And uh, the first thing I always want to find out from everybody is, you know, I know you, you currently work in central New Jersey for Cobalt Banker, but is that where you grew up? Uh, no, technically I grew up in New York, just north of New Jersey, um, not in the city. There's kind of a triangle of space between Manhattan and Bergen County, which is the top of New Jersey, and this lovely triangle called Rockland County. I mean, it's it's the same kind of area, I'm guessing. It's, it's the same. Yes. It's just New York instead of New Jersey. Is it that simple? Basically, yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time growing up in the malls of New Jersey, so I, you know, I know the Garden State pretty well. Yeah. Are you, um, so can we call you a Jersey girl? I officially call myself one now. Yes. <laughs> so after a certain <laughs> amount of time, you're able to kind of, uh, uh, kind of take that moniker and use it and no one gets mad at you. No, I mean, nobody cares. It's funny. I think Jersey girls are less likely to actually call themselves Jersey girls. I think it's transplants like me that like the title. Oh, gotcha. Tell me a little bit about growing up in that part of the country, because I, I mean, I grew up in Southern California. You, you, there can't okay. be two areas that are more different, right? So right. tell me what it was like. Well, I guess I thought it was the norm. I thought that, um, you know, the East Coast way of life, the East Coast way of thinking was pretty typical for the entire country because that's where I lived. I thought everybody came to Manhattan and knew what it was like. And buildings were really supposed to be that tall in any city you were in because Rockland's only 30 minutes from Manhattan. So I spent a lot of time, you know, going into the city, going to shows, um, have not done the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, anything like that, (laughs) because that to me was the tourist side of things. I don't like going through Times Square when people are there. But I, you know, I kind of had this sense that the rest of the country was like this. And then I ended up in the Midwest uh, for college, and I had an awakening, 
so to speak. <laughs> I realize what the rest of the country is thinking and acting. Why those tourists pour into Manhattan to see that city. It's just an unbelievable place. Um, but when you grow up with it, you're right. Like anything, you know, that's just a city, right? Yeah. yeah. It is the city. That's it. Now you're, you're in, we've we got to call it like the East Coast, especially Boston, New York, sports capital of the world. It's got mm-hmm. to be, be one or the other. Are you Jets or Giants? Actually, we are an Eagles household. Well, how'd that um, happen? Because my husband is from just outside of Philadelphia. All right. So, and I, I love football. I always have growing up. I used to watch it with my dad every week. Um, he was a Giants fan. But again, something that I thought was normal, you know, he had a bookie. So he <laughs> would watch all of, all of the games and was yeah. not partial to anyone. He was more partial to the spread. So yeah, par- I partial, didn't really have an allegiance. Yeah, partial to the parlay. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, you know, it, it made it more fun for him. He watched all the games and I, so he didn't care that I wasn't a Giants fan. And I, you know, in that era, it was the Cowboys and the Redskins who were going back and forth. So thankfully I didn't choose either of them. Um, and then I met my husband and his family. He's one of three boys. They are diehard Eagles fans and you just get caught up in the momentum. I was going to say, and especially this season with the four and one Eagles versus the zero and five Giants, you're, you, yes. you're in the right side of things, right? <laughs> yes, but the Giants fans, honestly, it's not even fun. Like they're so sad about it right now. I can't even make fun of them. Well, yeah, I mean, to lose Odell Beckham Jr. plus three other receivers yeah. for the season, they're they're done. I mean, I think they'll win a couple, but oof, that's a tough season. So. Yes. Anyways, for the, the guy who came from, uh, you know, I was a Charger fan growing up, never won anything. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for anybody that has a tough season, especially yeah. people in New York. So, um, all right, good. Yeah, well, you know, if the Cowboys had a bad season, I wouldn't like. No, <laughs> I'm with you there, too. So you mentioned earlier you went to Washington University in St. Louis. First of all, correct. what what drew you there? Um, let's talk a little bit about Washington because it's an amazing school. And, and then – Tell me, you know, what your thoughts were about the Midwest. You mentioned a little bit earlier. So go ahead. And, yeah. yeah. Um, what drew me to WashU was I, I was not sure where I wanted to go to school. I ended up applying, applying to 13 different schools. Mm. And at that point, they were all handwritten and they were all big, large envelopes that you had to put in the mail. Um, but I just didn't know where I wanted to go. And I went out to WashU and I thought, hey, it can get me away from New York. It can get me to a different part of the country, a different experience. And the campus is absolutely beautiful. Um, And it was small, which was nice. Um, And the reputation was incredible. So once I showed up there, I said, I don't really think I could say no to this. But it was was an amazing experience. It was a challenge. you know, I was always an easy B plus student. I never really had to work hard. I mean, if I wanted to get an A plus, I could. I just had to apply myself. But I say that in comparison to the people I went to school with. I mean, it was like every valedictorian, salutatorian from every school across the country. They were brilliant and they were hard workers and they pushed me to do better. So from that point of view, it was amazing. Um, I ended up getting a degree in architecture, which opened up my eyes to a whole new world. Nobody in my family knew much about art, architecture, anything like that. So again, it was a fascinating experience. And the Midwest, um, yeah, the Midwest was very different. It still is. It's very conservative. At the time I was there, it was still very segregated. 
and was shocked me coming from the East Coast. I just, I couldn't get a handle on that. And, you know, it was just, it was very low key. It was very calm and there was no water around it, which was weird. (laughs) I don't consider the Mississippi, you know, something that you want to go swimming in. From that point of view, it was very different. What was your first job right out of school? I actually, I stayed in St. Louis and I worked in a local bar as a bartender at night and I worked for a local architect during the day. I have to point this out. I think you might be yes. guest number 10 who that was, was a bartender somewhere in their career. <laughs> yeah. A bartender. I, I go back to the first one with Sean Carpenter. I know, you know, Sean well, and yes. Sean, by the way, his 50th birthday that's today, the day we're recording this. So I know. Yeah. Happy birthday, Sean. Yeah. Happy birthday. I, I love the fact that when I talked to him about that, you think about what a bartender does. They, uh, mm-hmm. they serve people. They listen yep. to people, right? They, they yep. try to help them. And those kinds of skills, those service skills, absolutely translate into what you do really well today, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, waiting tables and tending bar were and still are probably my two favorite jobs. I know people think I'm crazy for saying that, but I love, I love the fact that it's physical, that you're standing, you're moving, you're talking, you're interacting, you're not sitting behind a desk, you're not sedentary. Um, there is a lot of human interaction. But you also, you have a purpose, you know, you're not just standing there having a conversation for no reason. You're, you're providing a service to people and the more positive of an outcome is dependent on you. So if you're happy, if you're in a good mood, if you're attentive, if you're listening, if you're doing all those things that we do in real estate today, it's going to be a better exchange for everybody involved. The energy has to be there or it's not going to work. And if the energy is not there, you're not going to get paid because you're not getting good tips if you're just kind of grumpy and serve bad drinks and, you know, things like that. Right. I love that analogy. That's great. The next couple of jobs, though, as you kind of work away from that first job, there, there, mm-hmm. you were kind of, what was your focus there? It wasn't real estate yet, right? You weren't thinking about becoming a realtor yet, right? Well, the funny thing was I left that bar and that architect and went home and I said, I really don't want to go into architecture because I don't want to sit behind a desk. Um, If I had stayed at that bar, I would probably still be there. It is one of the most highly educated staff you've ever seen. The cook in the kitchen was getting his PhD. And, you know, people were reading philosophy while they were checking IDs. It was an incredible place to work. It was called Blueberry Hill. And um, after two years, I just said, "I, I can't. I can't stay here because I will never, ever leave. So I went back to New York and I said, I want to go into real estate. And for the life of me, I can't tell you why, but I always had an idea that I wanted to do it. Um, it wasn't financially driven. It, there was just something that drew me to the industry. I called every brokerage and this was, so it was 95, I guess. Um, and the market was horrible. I called every brokerage around me. I spoke to every broker I could. They all said, Tracy, you have a great degree from a great school. Go work in the city. Go make some money. You're not going to make any money now in real estate. And I listened to them. And in some ways, I regret it. But in some ways, I'm happy because it was very different back then. You know, there was was no Zillow. There was no email. There was no – it wasn't – people weren't searching online. The technology hadn't caught up with the industry yet. So I may not have liked it looking through books and all these other horror stories that I hear from realtors who've been in the business since then. Um, so I went and I worked in the city. I got a job, um, 
trying to remember. First, it was with a trade organization called PLMA. They were Private Label Manufacturers Association. So I got my first glimpse into what a nonprofit looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, figured out what you get paid in a nonprofit. <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't really interested in staying there. Um, and then I, through a family friend, heard about a company called Interbrand, which owned a subsidiary called Gersman and Myers, and they were a packaging design firm. And I went and I interviewed with them and got a job, you know, low person on the totem pole and just absorbed all the creative energy and the vibes and the, the um, everything that I liked about architecture school, but it wasn't about architecture. It was about something much more relatable. Packaging design, you know, we had Kellogg's, we had P&G, we had all of these big brands and we had packages that were impacting people on a daily basis. So the psychology behind it was really interesting. Um, and then we moved over, we were purchased by Interbrand, so we moved into a bigger space. Somebody in the 3D design group tapped me to come work on their team because I had the architecture background. And while I was there, we got to do all of the signage for what has become Columbus Circle, which was pretty cool. Wow. Um, so actually, no, that was at Donovan and Green. I take that back. That wasn't an inner brand. That was the, the next place I worked. But we got to do all the signage and I got to work with it was funny. They were the second largest developer in New York, only to Trump. Oh. So they were called the related companies, and they do a ton, a ton, a ton of development in the city. Still not as much as him, I don't think. But, you know, I, I got to see what it was like to work with developers. Developers are very high-strung people, and they don't handle pressure well. <laughs> and they tend to explode often. Um, but I got to work with people like that and learn how to deal with it. And learn that it wasn't personal, even though they could shout at you and say god-awful things. It was business, and you had to deal with it and move on. So that, that was interesting. And then I'm trying to remember what I did next. Next, I went over to a startup with some people from Interbrand who did a joint venture with Walmart on a um, – trying to remember what it was called. It was called Relyon, and it was a co-branded line of um, diabetes care products from the insulin to the syringe, branching out to glucose tablets, um, learning a lot more about pharmaceuticals than I ever thought I would. But it was an interesting experience. So we got to do their launch for their product line, which took like six, nine months. Um, So I got to experience that, which all of these things I would never have experienced had I not, had I gone into real estate right away. Some of those skills you're talking about, you know, design, uh, how things look, um, creating ads, right? I mean, what mm-hmm. you do today, all that kind of stuff. That's that's you have this background of information that you can fall back on and help you. Maybe Absolutely. even pop- copywriting. I mean, that's such a skill in itself that people kind of dismiss, right? Yes, you you never really think about what has has to go on the packaging <laughs> for pharmaceutical products. You would never think about that, right? Um, but it was something I had to do, and I was like, hey, I'm doing this, and then I see it on a shelf, and it's pretty cool. You know, and I got to learn about different sizes of business too, which sure. was interesting. Well, somehow we got to get you to real estate. So how does that, where does that come in? Yes, we are just about there. Um, I had one more job after pharmaceuticals or after the startup. Um, I worked for a technology company, um, in, another interesting place, big firm that did, uh, they cleared trades for the stock exchange. So I got to kind of start to get a feel for what technology was doing behind the scenes. Um, I I was in the IT group, which was half in New Jersey and half in India. 
Um, so I, I started to get a global perspective on technology. Left that job, uh, went on maternity leave, and within a year after having my first daughter, I was losing my mind and said I need to go back to work. And I answered an ad to be a real estate assistant, to be an assistant to one of the top realtors, I should say. And it was at Keller Williams. Um, I did not pick the brand because it was the brand. I picked this person because she put an ad in Maplewood online and I needed to get out of my house. <laughs> and I was like, real estate, here it is. This is what I want to do. So I worked for her for about six months as her assistant. And we are still great friends to this day. But she looked at me and she said, Tracy, go get your license because you are not my assistant. You are not anybody else's assistant. You need to go get your license and do this for yourself. Wow. So it was great. I took her advice, got my license, and within two months, I had my first listing and was prepared to be on my own. And um, then the, the team leader for that office, who was still a friend of mine, brought me into her office one day and she said, Tracy, she, she never truly explained why, but she said, our number one agent needs a bigger team. You need to go be on that team. And you're going to need to call her like three or four times, but keep calling her because you need to be on that team. So I said, okay. So I did it. And um, I was on a team, that team as a buyer agent for two years. And it was very interesting. So I don't know what the stat is right now, but she was certainly the number one team in New Jersey. I got to see the team structure which was really interesting. And having that be my first real foray into real estate, it was like, you know, it, it was a totally different experience than anything I thought it would be. Very tech oriented. Um, as a buyer agent, I had 250 to 300 leads in my pipeline at all times. I was calling people Monday through Friday. I was showing 20 to 30 houses on the weekends. Um, I was constantly turning over. I was getting to know a variety of markets because in New Jersey we, we live along the train line that commutes to the city so you're gonna come to me and you're gonna say I want to live in New York City I want to live within an hour commute I'm not sure which town because there's like 12 different little towns that we could pick from this is my price point this is you know schools are important not important whatever so it was our job to kind of weed it down and figure out which town was the best for them because they all had their own personalities too so that was an incredible learning experience. I got to know several different markets. I was doing constant turnover on transactions, so I knew the system really well. Um, I was exposed to internet leads at a time when most people weren't. And, you know, we were getting into social media at that point, but it wasn't quite there yet. So, so that was probably like 2007. Okay, good. Yeah, I want to get that time yeah. frame because... You know, those teams today are all over the place and KW is still yes. kind of the place where they grow. But you, this is one of the first. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, it, you know, like anything else, there were bumps and bruises and, you know, it was a learning process and we were figuring things out. But by the end of two years, I was exhausted. Hmm. I was absolutely, no way, it couldn't have been 2007, it was probably 2008 or nine, because my girls were little and I have two daughters. They were little. I wasn't seeing them because I was showing houses every weekend. My husband works in the NFL, which is why we are Jets fans. So <laughs> we, you know, we support them because they support us. It, it was, it was exhausting. It was, you know, being a buyer agent is one of the hardest things there is, and you don't get any recognition. And I, I found that out when I went to the first KW. I guess it was, it was either Mega Camp or Family Reunion. I don't remember which one. But I looked around at all the awards and I said, 
where are the buyer agents? Nobody's recognizing them. I'm seeing team leaders and I'm seeing, you know, individual agents. I'm not seeing anything recognizing a buyer agent. And maybe that's changed, but I said, you know, I don't need my name up in lights, but I'd like to be recognized for all the hard work I'm doing. So I made a decision to leave the team and leave KW altogether. Um, there was a local Cobble Banker office in my hometown. I knew most of the agents. I knew the agent who listed my house when I bought it. I knew the agent I worked with. Um, and I just kind of walked in. And, and the manager of that office had been a KW team leader when I was in that office. And I walked in and I said, Rob, I think I want to work here. And he's like, okay. So I, to this day, our president and CEO, Hal Maxwell, will tell you that I recruited myself to Caldwell Bank. <laughs> I just came over. Yeah, you were ready. like, I'm here. <clears throat> Sounds like you were, you, look, you got a, great, a lot of great stuff out of the whole KW experience, but you were ready to yes. move. And so yes. Caldwell Banker is a perfect fit for you. You're in there now. Um, I, I want to talk about what's coming up next week. We had to get this uh, yes. this podcast scheduled because I know Jen Blue's next week and the whole yep. bunch of people I'm friends with online are headed to Vegas. So I just oh, we can't for, wait. For those who don't know about Gen Blue, just explain what it is. It hasn't always been called Gen Blue. Gen Blue was um, a recent nom name change that um, kind of really talks about where this company is right now. Um, everybody thinks that we're old and stodgy because we've been around for so long and we don't know about technology and you know. When I left KW to go to CB, a lot of people said to me, you're going backwards. You know, you're leaving the innovative techie world and you're going to, you know, the old stuffy way of doing things. Yeah. It's Mr. Coldwell and Mr. Banker, right? I know people don't know that, but it's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was the, the original startup, 1906 yeah. in San Francisco. Right. They were ahead of their time. But my experience thus far with Jen Blue and Coldwell Banker has been nothing like what anyone said. I have learned more about technology. I've embraced more of it. I've had the opportunity to play with more of it because we have more tools at our disposal than most people realize, than most Cobalt Banker agents realize. Um, so GenBlue, the concept, and then GenBlue, the conference, next week we will be in Vegas. We'll have 6,000 Cobalt Banker agents descending on the town, ready to learn and grow and share and network, network, network. Because with 6,000 agents just in that room, the referral opportunities are ridiculous. I mean, we, we always talk about it, but it's so true. And now with social media, you can pinpoint, you know, you send a lot of referrals to, you know, I don't know, Boca in Florida. You should know an agent there. There's a Cobble Banker agent there who you can work with. You should know them. And if they're at this conference, you need to meet them. So for me, that's the most important part. Um, and I'm doubly excited because this year I'm honored to be on the social squad, which means my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed, it will all be flooded with blue next week nice. because I am so proud to promote what they're doing. They provide such an amazing experience for their agents. I, I can't wait. Well, have fun there. Um, it's it's, it's Las Vegas, so, you know. Um, remember to get back to the hotel room in a reasonable time. <laughs> you do have to get up early in the morning for the next event. So, you know. Yes, absolutely. And with the time change, I will be up early anyway. Ah, that's right. That's right. I have no choice. Yeah. You're, you are very active um, at the local level, state. I think you're – are you running YPN uh, in your area? Are you the president? I am the – yes, I am the current YPN chair for our local board, with, okay. which is North Central Jersey Association of Realtors. 
I was given the opportunity to be in this position and, you know, I'm, I'm 45. I'm not the face of the typical YPNer. You know, YPNs at 40, you're supposed to be phasing yourself out or something. But I wholeheartedly disagree with that concept. Um, the, the notion is young at heart, you know, young in the business, things like that, not age. I mean, I would have loved to have been in the business when I was in my 20s. I know that, but I wasn't. So I'm here now and I'm doing what I can. And I'm trying to make this YPN more inclusive of younger, older, more experienced, less experienced, because we can learn so much from each other. You know, it doesn't just have to be a room full of 30 under 30s. We can also have 40s and 50s and 60s. I mean, the average age of the agent is still what, like 57, 58? Yeah. So, so I, I was happy to take that on and, um, you know, I'm excited for the next year. Do you see yourself continuing down this path of volunteerism in the, in the world, you know, at the state or even national level? Is that something that interests you? Absolutely. Um, at the state level, I'm on the, I was on the past YPN for New Jersey Realtors. I was a committee member on that. Um, and I was on the, I always get the name wrong. It's, I believe it's cultural diversity and ethics. So I was a member of that committee as well. I was also a technology committee member at the local level. I'm so excited to get my appointments for this year for the national level coming up. And these totally excite the geek in me. But I've been asked to be a committee representative for data strategies and a YPN representative for the Federal Technology Policy Committee. Wow. And you know, yeah, I mean, I read that and I was like, I, like, I, I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited because the, the, even though this is a relationship business and it will always be a relationship business, um, you will always need to have face-to-face -face conversations. Your clients will always have to know you, like you, and trust you. But data and technology are the future of the business. I mean, it's not even the future, it's the now. So there's so much that we can learn from the data, be it about, you know, the industry itself, past sales, current sales, trends in housing, things like that, but also the data of our clients, our potential clients, that it's out there. Right. So we want to know as much as we can and zero in on the people who need our help. Make so I'm, I'm excited. I mean, even if I never say a word in either room, which I will, um, just to sit and listen and be a fly on the wall would be amazing. That makes perfect sense if you think about it. I mean, I th I, when I have conversations with realtors, I, I, I tell them every, all the time, what you're looking for is a conversation, right? Because mm -hmm. once you've got a conversation, Absolutely. Going, that's everything. And so yep. if this technology can help you get more and better conversations than you're yes. in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of agents have been afraid of it. And they've been concerned that it would take over for them. And I've attended Inman conferences for years, and I've been an ambassador. I've been proud to be an ambassador of that organization because I think that it, you know, it keeps the discussion going. It And it's constant. I mean, Brad loves to disrupt. He loves to, you know, push buttons and see yeah. what people will do. Um, and in New York this year, I felt like it was very tech heavy. And, you know, it was a lot of discussion about data. And, and that's great. But then out in San Francisco, he surprised me. And he started talking about being what the computer can't. And that's, I think, what we're talking about. That's where technology and data and 
all of that can get us to a point where we're being with the computer camp. We're having that conversation, that one-on-one, and figuring out how we can help our clients. Yeah, I'll be I'll be at Inman uh, this this winter. I'm coming up for the New York event. Good. Yeah, I think number yeah. nine for me. I, I it's it's an amazing place, and you talk about yes. networking opportunities. Oh my gosh! Oh gosh! <laughs> so yeah, uh, let me ask you. So. I, I'm thinking back to when you started. So you got into business like right at the beginning of the dark days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and but also at the same time, it really was kind of the beginning of social. And you mentioned yes. you know, the team you were on at the time was maybe trying to play with it. My guess is that you, knowing, listening to the tech geek and you, you know, spill out <laughs> on the podcast, yes. that you yes. were an early adopter and you were playing with that stuff early. Am I right? Yes. When I left KW and went to CB, um, I had to create my brand because I was part of a team. Nobody, the public didn't know my name. You know, the agents, the the fortunate thing was I got to know all the players as far as the realtors in the market. So they knew me and respected me and knew that I could do a good job and were happy when I brought them clients because we all know that we get to know each other and you know the agents who know what they're doing and want to get a deal closed and want to make their clients happy and everybody happy um, and make it a pleasant process. But there are some agents that you see and you're like, mm, I'm going to have to do a lot more work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but so I went over to CB and creating my brand and I went to Facebook because that's where my friends were. That's where, you know, the moms I knew, they were talking about their kids on Facebook. Everybody was interacting. It was becoming a big deal. So I kind of, I just started talking about who I was. Cause I didn't really think about creating a brand identity. I didn't, you know, I didn't go back to my inner brand j- days. I just intuitively said, all right, what are you going to talk about? You want people to get to know you. So I started talking about my life and living in Maplewood and what it was like here. And I knew I did something right because about eight or 10 months into this, um, I was walking on Maplewood Avenue, our little village And someone I was friends with on Facebook walked up to me and said, hey, you're Tracy Freeman. You have two girls, a dog. You live in Maplewood and you're a realtor. I'm like, yep, that's it. Yeah. That's, you know, I I think sometimes we overanalyze everything. And in the end, just be yourself and put out what you want to talk about. And, you know, your people will find you. The people that you want to work with will find you. And start a conversation. And start a conversation. Just exactly. Like, just like that lady on the street. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to say I listed her house the next day, but I didn't. But right. Yeah. I, well, that's that. There's that. The, 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 not the naysayers, but just maybe the doubters who say, well, I don't know the ROI. And I, I try to tell them, well, tell me the ROI of, of you talking to uh, someone on a regular basis at a store that you walk into. And then just having a conversation and and maybe six months down the road, they say, Hey, a friend of mine might need your help. What's the ROI of talking to people? How do you you measure that? Right. Right. So I was an agent on my own for about three or four years. And in that time I got my broker's license Um, because I always said I would, I had no plan to open my own office or anything. It was just a goal. And uh, Caldwell Banker came to me and they asked me to be the assistant manager for the Westfield East office, which if you're in the NRT world, they are the number one NRT most productive office in the country. Mm. These agents have been killing it for 25 years. They've been number one. Um, They've got between their two offices in Westfield, Westfield West and Westfield East. They have 
more than 50% of the market share. Wow. It's incredible. And so I was asked to go over there and they, they weren't really sure what my role was, but they basically said, you know, Tracy, you've got your broker's license. You know, we like what we're seeing in you. You know something about social media that could really help these agents. They know how to sell houses. You don't need to teach them how to sell houses, but, you know, help them embrace social media. And to your point, my basic conversation with them to start was, this is just another form of networking. That's all you're doing. You're having a conversation. You're just typing it in instead of speaking it. Right. That was it. And, you know, that's, that's hard for some people. I mean, they, they are the best at networking. They know everybody at the country club. They know everybody on the PTA. They keep in touch with their clients. They do everything right. They just hadn't experienced what social media could do for them yet. So I was with them for about a year and it was just, it was incredible. I mean, I, I may have learned more from them than they did from me. Right. So today, today, are you um, in, in some sort of leadership role at the office here right now, or are you kind of just working hard on your own business? Today I am happily working on my own. Um, you know, I, I, like we've been talking about, I have all this knowledge and I have all this stuff just going around in my head and it's spinning sometimes. And I really just want to see what I can play with and how I can improve my business with all of these things that I have learned. Right. Um, in, in the end, it really is about a conversation. It really is about a relationship and keeping in touch with people and just, you know, knowing who needs your help, when they need your help, how you can help them. Um, sometimes it's just a connection. You know, we talk about the ROI. I have a friend who is moving to Hong Kong for two years. And I was talking with her yesterday and I said, you know, there was a family that left Maplewood and lived in Hong Kong for two years. Have you talked to them yet? And she said, no, I hadn't heard anything about this. So I just connected them today on Facebook. I didn't make any money off of that, but that's at the core of what we do is just keep connecting, keep helping. And the business is going to follow from that. Yeah. I have to go back to one of your compadres at uh, Cobalt Banker. When you say that, it's 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 Sean's tagline, right? It's oh yeah, you know, you're just building relationships, solving problems, and having fun. And absolutely, that, that's a, such a simple little phrase that um, you know can can be taken a lot of different ways. But that's the essence of what you said right there was that helping yes. somebody out and connecting them, and and then and you know at the same time going home and having fun with your daughters at the end of the day. It's all good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and my dog. Don't forget dog. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Uh, I've had you over the half hour that I, I asked of you, and so I want to ask you the same question I've asked every guest on the podcast, and that's if if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I'll let you go. Um, go two pieces. Yeah, I mean, I've I've brought new agents in, and I've talked to them, and and I have told them, and I will continue to tell them: be yourself. Remember, this is about relationships. Um, anything you need to know as far as the technology behind it, you know, we all got our license. We all didn't learn anything about actual real estate transactions when we got our license in that class. So there will always be somebody who can help you fill out a contract or find out, you know, what the current average sale price is, or those things can be given to you, helped, you know, we, as, an, as a manager, I always said, I'll write up a contract for you. You go get the client. You go build the relationship. You go do that part of it because you need to be what the computer isn't. You need to feel confident and comfortable helping people because that's what you do. 
And on the flip side, my advice or my um, helping was with everything else because the everything else can get done. But the relationships, you you can't fake that. You can't farm that out. You know, you have to be comfortable in that role. Tracy, if somebody wants to reach out to you, if they've got a, a question about something we've talked about today, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, find me on Facebook. Okay. Find, definitely. And it's Tracy Walchock Freeman, W-O-L-C-H-O-C-K. Awesome. Tracy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today. I really appreciate it. And I can't tell you how jealous I am of all the cool people you can be hanging out with next week in Vegas at Gen Blue. But uh, have a great time. And once again, thank you so much for sharing some of your knowledge with us. Thank you very much. And it's my birthday next week, so it's going to be really oh, fun. Happy, birthday. <laughs> happy, happy Vegas birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I'll talk to you soon.